0: Hello, welcome to the Palladium podcast. I'm Wolf Tyvy I'm joined by Ash Milton, as usual. Hey everyone. Today we're going to talk about cults um, and, and the structure of society. I mean, I put this earlier as the social structure of motivation and the motivational structure of society. And so we're gonna dig into this question of cults. We had a great internal discussion in our community about this last week. We, we had some threads we wanted to pull on. We want to really synthesize this. We don't really know where we're going with this discussion, but we think that cults are actually really interesting and important, so we're going to talk about it. So first, I will kind of lay down some terms, try to figure out what we're talking about here. What do we mean by a cult? You know, in modern American society, what we mean by cults is these weird kind of breakaway groups that, you know, the Rajneeshis, the the. Hare Krishna, Scientology, Jim Jones, sort of suicide cult, well, it became that. So you have, you have this idea of these kind of like breakaway groups, maybe a little bit secretive, probably abusive of their members. They're probably centered around some guru. You know, the guru sleeps with all the women and marginalizes all the men. It's, it's really awful. You know, everyone gets isolated from their families. It's sort of opposed to mainstream society. And then basically the rest of society is kind of kind of trying to digest these cults and and deprogram people and so on. So this is kind of the view that we get, um, and I think that's that's you know that's what the word means in in the modern context. But of course there's there's uh, an older, more general term uh, for th- that is this cult term. Cult didn't always have the particular historical connotations of like post nineteen eighties America. Um, it used to also mean Basically, a organized subgroup of society organized around some god or around some kind of quasi-religious vision, some idealism. It involves ritual. It involves initiation. Maybe it has some mysteries. You know, they do some particular type of work, maybe. Uh, there's some particular type of people, maybe there's there's things that it's supposed to do for you, things that it's supposed to do for society, or things that it's supposed to do for the history of the cosmos overall. So this is sort of uh, how we understand cults and we understand them, say, in the Roman context or the Greek context. And I think you know these are very obviously very related phenomena. It's just that the the kinds of cults we've sort of recently seen in america have been that more like harmful type or at least we've portrayed them that way because we're trying to get rid of them for some reason so that's that's what we mean by by cults the reason that i think this is interesting is because let, let me put it this way like cults are for the full motivational and social existence mode of humans they are for that what companies are for economic activity it's something like that so people people are not actually uh you know purely selfish in their motivations you, you know we get this kind of mythology in liberalism that the way society works is there's a bunch of normal middle-class people and they own houses and they send their kids to school and they work at companies and you know they vote in the elections and then a bunch of bunch of them go off and you know, work in the government or whatever. Um, and everyone's just kind of motivated by their own happiness. And we find these ways to kind of cooperate through the market, through democracy, etc. This kind of puts human motivation, puts the whole structure of human kind of psychological existence into this very tight structure, which is, you know, you are the individual. The individual is this thing that has been defined for you, this role. Um, you're, you're, you're kind of thinking in term of, as, uh, of yourself as a self your you've got your own desires you've got your own happiness to pursue you've got your own autonomy from other people from society so that that's kind of a view of psychology that obviously we receive from from the society around us but i think that's that's not a realistic view so we want to go and take a more general view of that the more general view is that humans have a sort of psychological need or a slot or some big hole in their heads where where there needs to be some larger story that they are participating in. And that larger story has to encompass basically everything. And it has to tell them what they're supposed to be doing. And those stories take many different forms. One story is that liberalism story that I just laid out. Other stories are maybe, you know, you're in the Hare Krishna cult or whatever and and you've got all these various elements to that There's has this big story of what the world is about, where it's going, uh, what it's all for, who are the, who are the people with wisdom? What is wisdom? You know, what are you supposed to do to achieve that kind of thing? It's, it's got all this detail in that it's a very different story. And I think so when we're talking about cults, what we're talking about is something like an organized group around having a particular story at that sort of more basic, psychological level that humans need. And, and the idea is basically you have these different groups in society that have different stories about how they see themselves in the universe, how they see themselves in society, how they construct themselves as people. So that's that's what we're talking about with cults again. And, and I, so the reason I think the cult thing is important is because it offers us sort of this first class way to think about social structure given that deeper view of human psychology. So, you know, if we're if we're thinking of humans as basically teleological actors within some worldview, then we have to talk about, okay, well, how does the very how do the various structures in society fit into those worldviews? Or when people are doing things in society, why are they doing them within their worldviews? How is that organized? What do the logistics look like? What 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 does the social structure look like around that? And and cults offer us sort of this paradigm on that well you know the cult the, the idea of the cult claims that there are these organized groups that have these transcendent stories that people slot into and that they sort of cooperate to some degree in in the overall structuring of society um so that's that's a bunch of background that's what i'm talking about here maybe we're going to take things in a different direction but that's why i think it's interesting i think there's something here to figure out we can we can come to a better understanding of how we exist in society and what kinds of social structures and what kinds of social understandings are useful for that. So I'm gonna leave it at that. I'll turn it over to Ash, see what he has to say, and we'll go from there. Sure,
1: I think this is a good layout of why cults are important in the society. I think when people talk about cults, especially in America, because of the sort of 80s frame that, uh, as you're mentioning, people have put on this, uh, an immediate question is where do they come from? Why do people even get into the mindset of being able to think in this way of, you know, with a really formalized cult like Scientology or Hare Krishna's or, or, you know, a number of the more serious Christian churches, how do people get into a mental state where they're able to turn over a lot of their personal autonomy, where they're willing to do crazy things, right? Like live in celibacy or vegetarianism or you know, be- become suicide bombers? How do people get that mindset? And I think that the role of authority is important here. And it makes it more intuitive as to why cults are able to operate the way that they do, and why they're actually important in society. What do we think is important in life, right? The most mundane sort of middle class driver has some kind of hierarchy that he's trying to climb in- achievements in life. That he's trying to unlock right go to the right university get the right kind of job where do those ideas come from they don't just come out of a vacuum those ideas are mediated by authority right Uh, down to you know the a person's parents a person's teachers we get visions about what we're supposed to pursue what we're supposed to desire what we're supposed to pursue in life given to us by authority there will be people that, that we admire who sanction those ideas. Maybe sometimes you even have people come up who we admire, who then contest ideas we've been given somewhere. But basically, the role of authority plays a huge role in giving us the visions and the desires that cause us to act in certain ways, and they cause us to define our lives, to pursue certain things in our lives. What you get in a cult, uh, and I think this is kind of what we were referring to earlier, Wolf, A serious cult is generally making very strong metaphysical claims, cosmological claims about how the whole universe works. And when a cult is dominant in a society, it's kind of harder to see why it's crazy. And that's why it's these deviant cults. It's these cults that actually upset or go against the social norm that we end up seeing actually how serious this kind of social technology is. It's the same mechanism of authority, but it's acting on such a huge scale that people are willing to give up pretty much any lower level desire or goal that they see as anything less than at the level of kind of, you know, full cosmological transcendent victory or salvation or, you know, whatever that top level value is. And that can even include your own lives, right? And a lot of the things that we sort of mundanely consider important. And that's why cultic authority is, uh, you know, it is able to build, we could think of it a cultic economy, you know, modes of action that can only be achieved when you're operating under the influence of that unique kind of authority.
0: Right. Okay. So I, I want to respond to a few of these points. So first of all, maybe I'm going to out myself as a fanatic here, but I think everyone is a fanatic what you just said or at least could be mistaken as saying that there's kind of a normal mode of social and psychological existence and then there's this like fanatic mode that, that people get into under the influence of certain kinds of authority i think it's like again what i was trying to get at earlier is like everyone is always a fanatic for the story for, for their worldview. And it's just that most of the time you have like a quote unquote normal worldview, which is to say you have one that doesn't have a lot of distance from what everyone else is doing, but, but everyone is, is sort of fanatical in their worldview. Normal
1: versus fanatic is a little illusory as this like absolute difference. Yeah, no, it's,
0: it's, it's not absolute, it's relative, right? So when you're looking at these, these, you know, fanatical cults where people are willing to sacrifice themselves, do crazy things, or just live in different weird ways it's not so much that they're weird. It's just that they're distant, right? They're far away from what you're doing. And, and then like, if you look from their perspective, if you're a fanatic like me and, and you look back on what everyone else is doing in society, uh, it looks insane. It, it, like you got all these people chasing money and, and, and all these material goods and these things that they don't understand. And they, they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what it's all for. They have no plans. They, they are very caught up with, with sort of what's fashionable, but with, without any kind of theory of why that's important, uh, or at least they or maybe they have theories of that, but, but they're sort of very much uh, unexamined uh, and, and, and the theories look dumb. Um, so, so when you examine kind of the normalcy from the outside, it looks just as insane as some of these cults. It's just that you're not seeing that most of the time because you're in it. But okay, so that's first point, right? I think basically fanaticism is the default, not normalcy. Normalcy is just a relative uh, judgment of someone else's fanaticism is close to yours, and you, you feel like a fish in water. Okay, so then then we have this question of authority. I think we have to clarify what we mean by authority here, because this doesn't necessarily mean like authority as we kind of usually, I don't know, conceptually construct it. Like you have some authoritative person and then there's and and they're like delivering their 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 views to you and then you just absorb them because they come from authority i think that happens but but we have to dig into what's going on there i think i think it's it's like at the most fundamental level it's just like people are really vulnerable to suggestion i think this is actually a necessary feature of being able to do language and culture at all you need to be extremely vulnerable to suggestion Um, which is to say you need to be able to like very fluently pick up concepts from other people and pick up beliefs from other people because language to even communicate with each other we use language language is this huge stack of conceptual parsings of the world that involves an enormous number of implicit claims about how the world works about how what we are who we are how we engage with each other etc all of that you need to just pick up kind of by osmosis and so if, if you know, if you're thinking about you're sitting there as God and you're designing the human, right, um, you know, and you have this dial and the dial is like, how suggestive are they or how suggestible are they? If you turn that way down and there's some kind of it's some kind of like um, God man who who sort of only only interprets the, uh, what the sounds coming out of other people's mouths as kind of evidence um, of you know states of the world but only as in this very raw form they're going to have a really hard time relating to other people because they're not just kind of accepting the the ambient culture around them so they just so if you turn the dial the other way you get these people who are hyper social and they just kind of absorb all the memes from each other and get into these hive mind states and those ones are going to be capable of culture and language they're operating beyond an individual level. And this is, so what I'm saying is like, this is baked in at a very hardware level for a very understandable reason, which is you can't even do language without it, in my opinion. Okay, so given that background on, on like, you know, that that social susceptibility but dial is turned way up in humans, what you're going to get is that the ideas people run into in their formative years are just going to like format how they think. That's It's not going to be like they're sitting there with some internal autonomy and they evaluate the ideas coming in it's just first first they're just going to be like mainlining this bootloader from society and it's going to set up its it's going to set up its stuff in their head once things are set up they can start to do things like discriminate between different ideas you know to block out certain directions by which they might be suggested but that's all kind of derived that's like once you once you're building up psychological machinery the psychological machinery can do things like start to discriminate between ideas start to discriminate between sources and that's where you get into like our more normal conception of authority one of the first things maybe that you learn is that there's uh or or one of the first things that's maybe even socially constructed is that there is a difference between people you should trust and people you Uh, don't have to trust or shouldn't trust. And so that's where we get to kind of our normal version of authority. But the point I want to make here is that the, the social suggestibility comes prior to any concept of authority. And then the concept of authority is constructed kind of on that basis uh, in as, as sort of a refinement of the basic social susceptibility and then so then it's like okay well why do people get into these weird cults well because that's the memes they got those are the memes that clicked for them maybe they got like a botched version of the normal thing and then when they were 15 they were sort of looking for their place in the world and you know someone comes along with with just a more coherently stated worldview than they've ever seen before right and it's just going to click and, and then they're in. That's, and then that worldview may involve these kind of self-reinforcing aspects like, oh, well, you know, the authority is, is, has, has sort of the, the ultimate, ultimate rhetorical power here and like you don't trust things that are going on outside, you know, leave your family, leave your friends, uh, don't trust the fallen world outside, blah, 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 like all this usual cult stuff. And and so it's just like this historical problem, right? It's like how does an individual fall into it? Well, individuals are fanatics for whatever ideas they happen to come across in their formative years, and if if uh, they come across a, a, a set of ideas that's just like way more elegant than what they already have, maybe because their socialization was a little bit botched, uh, which it probably always always is, then you know they're in, they're into some weird breakaway cult. So that that's where I think it comes from.
1: Yeah, and. Importantly, it's not actually the case that, you know, the process of learning from and accepting authorities and getting into these memes is really tight and logical and or or even that you sort of have a very fixed set of authorities that you're taking these things from in any society, especially a complex society, you're gonna have several different authority centers. You might have contradictions between the sort of formal widely recognized authorities. One of my favorite examples of this, you know, in America, the top level political authority of the place is kind of founded on the story about kicking out monarchs and about, you know, not following the kind of religiously dominant theocratic modes of society that were in the old world. And yet, when, you know, um, uh, the Queen of England or some royal visits America, or when the Pope visits America, the cues about those forms of authority are still in american consciousness right you read fairy tales about princes and princesses and kings you go to church you know you still interact with religious authorities that look similar to this and so even though the dominant political authority tells you actively you do not actually have to cede authority or respect or trust in those forms the latent. Cues of the society that we pick up are such that we still end up doing this, and and you know, so Americans will flock to the streets for for people who they theoretically or, or formally don't actually need to put much trust in. And so, I, I I think what happens is that in these situations where really antisocial or virulent cults come up, it's often the case that the person or the group heading them is able to really aggressively delegitimize the other forms of authority in that person's life, right? So the country, their parents, maybe other religions or or other cults that they've been involved in, and they're able to kind of gain a monopoly of authoritative cue over that person's consciousness, where most of that person's decisions now are taken under the cues or in response to the cues given only by that one cultic authority. And so that that you know and that's usually done in a pretty explicit way right it's done through initiation rituals and hazing and that kind of thing and you can sort of rewrite a, you know the the cues that a person is used to responding and if you're able to do that at a large scale you're going to have people willing to act in extremely radical ways based on the wishes of the cult authority.
0: Yeah. So I think I think one thing that's important here is like we're not just analyzing this from some outside view, you know, objectively, this is what's happening, but the people inside don't agree with it. I think, I think on that claim, like, well, depending on how you state it, I think the people in these things will agree with it. Like they agree that there are certain sources that should be forming their consciousness more than others. They're gonna have some narrative for why the why their authority structure looks the way it does and uh and why that's the right way to do it so and that and that's very explicitly like yeah my views are being only only sort of formed by this this small crew that i trust and and you know like everyone does this well i don't know maybe not everyone maybe there's a bunch of normies out there who who sort of well, I, no, I, like I said earlier, like the fanatics, uh, the normies are also fanatics, right? Yeah, for the dominant cult. Yeah, so so it's like everyone has some some notion of where where their ideas are coming from.
1: Let me give a vivid description here of what so-called normal, everyday, non-fanatic consciousness is, right? So, how did I spend last Sunday? I went to a specialized building. I entered, I put on abnormal clothes. I entered a sacral space. I had to complete a number of rituals that culminated in a God-eating ceremony. The only people who could participate in those rituals were people who had undergone initiation processes from childhood or later in their lives. The The man who was carrying out the center of this ritual lived under a series of abnormal taboos like celibacy. Now, I'm obviously describing here a Catholic mass and that's something that is, quote unquote, normal in the society, right? You know, going to church, maybe it's, you know, it's not as dominant now as it was uh, several decades ago, but it's not something any of us really think of as abnormal. But if I were to take that series of things to you and and change just a couple of things, right, you know, maybe I take out the cross and and I'm putting in symbols of some other cult, right, some other god, or or maybe I'm handing out ayahuasca or something at the service, or maybe I'm handing out snakes and we're dancing with them. You know, very quickly I change a few things, and it's very evidently no longer the thing that we're used to. It's alien and it's maybe even subversive, and now it's a cult in the way we're used to thinking about yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Well, now do now do getting a mortgage and a job. Is so like like I think we could sort of we could sort of go in. And really caricature normal life as, you know, as something that's actually really strange. All we wanted, but but I, I want to go somewhere different. So okay, we've we've laid out this general idea, and and we've touched on something that I think is maybe the next place to go, which is society has many competing narratives flying around in it, and the many competing narratives have all these contradictions all over the place, and and then there's there's the. It, I think, I guess, one thing we've left out so far is we've talked about how people receive ideas. We haven't talked about how, where the ideas come from, what generates them. Um, and and so it, it, I, I will add an, ad- an additional component to the model to make sure that we can account for the fact that ideas actually uh, do come from somewhere. And, and that is that humans are, in fact, capable of thought. Uh, we, in other words, when we are confronted with contradictions and things we don't understand and situations, uh, sort of masses of data that we haven't, that feel like there's some pattern there, but we haven't quite parsed it out yet. Humans are, it's hard, but we often figure things out. And, and this is happening all the time. It's just that people figure out many fewer things in their lives than they learn from others. But there is that all important fact of what the brain actually does, which is besides kind of rallying pre-existing concepts and beliefs to parse the current situation, it also learns and learns new concepts and beliefs from experience and from thought and from discourse. Um, and and that's that's where these ideas come from. So So that's just kind of a technicality point. But basically you have... Then this authority question becomes like, you know, where are the where are these actually generative discourses happening and which which generative discourses are the ones you're trusting and so on? I I don't think that's that interesting to get into. I just wanted to make sure we hit that technicality. But generally, you have a lot of ideas flying around in society, a lot of narratives about what's important, about how the universe works, about, you know, who should be trusted, all this kind of stuff. And those are to some degree organized into groups. There's, you know, there's, there's sort of an environmentalism movement, right? Where there's a bunch of people who really care about the health of the earth, uh, but not the health of the earth in this generalized abstract sense, but in a particular vision about how the earth is and is supposed to be, and how humans are impacting on that in a negative way, or maybe in a positive way in some areas. Um, and so that's environmentalism. And there's, so they're, they've kind of got this whole cult going around that. And then you have, you know, your, your kind of like middle class domestic American life cult, uh, where, where people have, you know, all these ideas of lawns and, and, you know, nice furniture and interior design and like coming home from a hard day's work to nicely made dinner and like having 2.5 kids, all this kind of stuff. And that's like another, Big bunch of things. Those things occasionally get into fights with each other: uh, environmentalism and and the uh, the American way of life. And then we have, of course, various things going on in industry, various things going on in business, various things going on in politics, and and in in things we generally call religion. So so you have all these different narratives flying around, and we don't necessarily have have a lot of crisp concepts for describing and parsing out these this rather complex system this is part of the reason that we're trying to bring in this idea of the cult if we understand things in terms of cults my hypothesis is that it will help us to parse this complex landscape of competing narratives that we have in society and maybe even help us to govern it better so we're bringing in uh the cult of the cult here uh though i i think maybe that's stretching the term because by the time you're talking about a cult, you're talking about sort of an organized group of people kind of pursuing a particular set of ideas over, over a long period of time. Um, and, and smaller psyops like reintroducing the concept of cult does not itself have to be a cult. The concept of cult, it it helps us to focus on the way in which these meme plexus or, or narratives are organized and have logistical delivery structures they have social structure attached to them that when the people you know involved in environmentalism are getting more environmentalist ideas they're attached to a bunch of environmentalist social structure there is a big logistical system of getting out the new ideas updating people mobilizing people to partake in the rituals etc so it's kind of like directing our attention to the organization and the initiatory structure, the authority structures, the discourse structures, uh, the participatory the participation, uh, all those aspects. So I think that's a good thing to pay attention to. And I think it's something that our society actually pathologically does not pay attention to. It's again in this in this sort of cult of the individual, we have this idea of just this kind of unplanned, undesigned, structureless marketplace of ideas where we're all just kind of getting our ideas and Trading ideas around um, in this in this so-called public sphere, and the actual reality is is that there's substantial planning and organization in every almost behind like almost every single idea. There's a bunch of people working on that idea and and propagating that idea and organizing people around that idea. So so that's what this concept is supposed to direct our attention to. But I think uh, a mistake you can make, especially with the connotations of of the current way we use the term cult in our society is that we could over index on the exclusiveness of these things and i think it's important to understand you know as in a sort of roman style society where they they you know explicitly had many cults or or in our society the cults are not that exclusive maybe they're exclusive for some of the people but they're not that exclusive you can have people who are simultaneously influenced by you know, multiple gods, they they sort of subscribe to multiple archetypes, um, or they subscribe to multiple idealistic movements that, that they're involved in. I
1: mean, a, a multiple gods, you can have people under the influence of environmentalism, but also under the influence of, of, of the kind of worldly prosperity, middle class lifestyle, and simultaneously under the influence of uh, the cult of the you know the the civil cults of the American state uh, and and these can all kind of interact together. Yeah,
0: like so- social justice or or like whatever and or or things older things like like you know not necessarily part of the mainline cult set, but what you were saying with with Catholicism, right? Like you're 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 a Catholic, you know. You may also have some environmentalist influences, right? And then it's like okay, well, you have these multiple. Things going on. I mean, if I was going to be provocative, I would say that the, the, that all societies are polytheistic. Then there's this question, though, of like which cults are the legitimate ones. You sort of have this mutual recognition structure, right? The cults recognize each other as legitimate, or or like at least recognize each other as normal. And then you have also these bigger these bigger things going on in society, like uh, governance and so on, uh, especially governance of the public sphere uh of of public ideas and so on where you definitely have this sense of like which things are sort of more official than others and which things are just foreign bodies like there's a definite sense in which environmentalism is native to the american civil religion whereas catholicism is foreign does that make sense and and so there's that there's that like notion of a central complex of cults as well
1: I, i am unclear though I'm unclear on what you mean by the idea that cults kind of recognize each other. Do you just do you just mean that they're coexisting with each other or do you mean something else?
0: Yeah, so um I think what I'm getting at there is there's just this like actual fact of lots of social overlap and mutual recognition and mutual participation. Like you often have collaborations between different movements or or what we would call cults.
1: Right, right. So like you can have Muslims and Mormons and Catholics and Hindus or, or, you know, and they kind of in the American sphere, the idea of, oh, you have a religion is sort of a shorthand way of acknowledging that you're going to regularly interact with people who are involved in cults that are different from yours. And in fact, you will often be cooperating with them for some kind of positive goal that everyone is interested in.
0: Yeah, and it's it's like lib- liberalism kind of makes room I I mean this is an interesting thread to pull on. It's like li- liberalism makes room for different religions, but it does so by saying like okay, yeah, you can keep your thing, but you're going to do it as as you know, this particular type of cult that we've defined that we call religion. It has, you know, sort of le- that has legal meanings. It has, it has cultural meanings, et cetera. But it's like, it kind of puts you into a box. It says like, okay, yeah, you can be Muslim, but you have to be Muslim in, in this, uh, within this box.
1: Yeah. The, the, the private sphere, right? Right.
0: It becomes the private sphere and like, you know, all that stuff about Sharia and like the caliphate. No, you can't do that here. Right. To the extent
1: that any real cult has some kind of a totalizing worldview, Uh, And that's not just true for religious cults. I think this is also self-evidently true for like a hardcore ecological cult or a hardcore ideological cult. But under liberalism, the demand that is basically made is that you are going to, if not reform, like some religions actually do actively reform and, and formally adapt. But in a lot of cases, they will just kind of suspend aspects of their practice, which are you know, the conditions do not exist for this, or this is not like the correct approach, you know, some kind of internally consistent reason, usually, maybe not even always, but usually is created for why we are suspending uh, aspects that we consider non-essential. And, and and now we can kind of live and operate in the mechanisms that the liberal society creates.
0: So, So this is a good thread to pull on. It's I like, like I think I think you're right that most or all of these things sort of have a totalizing tendency to them. You know, in a vacuum they might they might end up kind of going all the way and sort of trying to just terraform all of society within their ideals. But because you know they live in a society and we live in a society, they 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 have to end up they have to reach these like negotiated truces with all the other cults that exist in society, especially with the big powerful central complex that controls the state. And so that's where you see, you know, like you're saying, kind of religions adopting uh, a, a less offensive version of themselves to get along with everyone else. It's like you necessarily have this problem that everyone needs to kind of put some bounds on their ambitions and recognize borders between each other and this, so this is what i mean by the cults kind of recognizing each other it's just like recognizing recon it's, it's even like you know neighboring states that are even often at war will still have a recognition of each other as legitimate entities and like be able to do things like make treaties do, do trade deals and agree on where the border is right and i think it's similar with cults and, and in society and Basically, like you have you have kind of mutual recognition, you have people you have sort of boundaries set up, boundaries respected, and boundaries negotiated.
1: So there's an interesting thing that happens there, though, that I wanna I wanna pull on this and see where it goes as well. When you have these sub-level cults in the society where they're submitting to something higher, one of the effects of this is that, yeah, in the short run, they're able to exist and even prosper in the society. But because it is very clear that the authority structures within that cult are not actually the supreme ones, right? That is an evident reality to the membership. What ends up happening is that the authority of that leadership in a practical way kind of starts to dissipate, right? It's sort of like the temperature starts going down and you you usually see this, right? Where a, a lot of cults, and, and this isn't just true in the Western world, you saw this happen with minority religions in Islamic countries, you're seeing it currently happen in China. They will, you know, membership will start to take cues from the political or, you know, the higher authority in the society and will either, you know, abandon practice or they might actively convert away from it or assimilate. And so unless the Cult authority finds some kind of really stable niche. You know, maybe it's like an ethnic cult, or maybe there's just like such a strong history, or maybe they adopt cultural practices like the Amish or Orthodox Jews, where they kind of gatekeep a lot of the society around them away and maintain this kind of local, stronger presence of the 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 cultic authority. But the other thing that happens is that sometimes. A cult will turn up the temperature. And uh, I think that the ecological example is interesting here. So, you know, people, it's a kind of a common observation you get about, oh, you know, you'll you'll get references to, to Gaia. You get these Extinction Rebellion protests where people are dressing up as scarlet priestesses. There are these sort of cultic elements, and this is usually given as a criticism, right? It's like, oh, this shows the environmental movement is 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 not that rational or something. But actually, actually, it's 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 a cult, but it's actually even a rational cult because let's think about what this totalizing worldview is demanding. It's demanding a full scale transformation of society, of lifestyles and value systems, on a global scale, right? Like if they actually, if we got sort of totalized environmentalism even some of the more moderate strains we would have a cult that is more successful than anything else in the history of the world so far and so it is actually entirely rational to start embracing cultic ways of thinking and you know to the extent that those are already latent in the worldview they they it's a rational process to develop those things and to turn up the temperature and intensify the authority of the cult such that even people who are outsiders start to take cues, right? And yeah, they kind of receive greater sanction, greater imprimatur from the political authority, right? Representatives, ecological activists, environmental activists get invited to the White House. So there is kind of that game that goes on there. But I think the important thing is that what happens is that the authorities within that movement and i mean it's not super formalized so there're like probably multiple centers of authority acting here but they are able to increase their authority and by making it something more like a cultic authority than some other you know more more economic or political kind they can convince people to sacrifice in a radical way right people give up their entire lives for this kind of cause. And so that's the, the other end of this process where, you know, we were talking about how under liberalism, you have these cults side by side and they had to cede authority and cooperate. But a, a particularly ambitious cult might decide to actually try and amp up the power of its authority and the ability to give cues and terraform the rest of the space. And that's where you start getting potential. Competition or even upgrades.
0: Yeah, no, but I think I, I think like in in the environmentalism case, or like really anything we've seen in recent times, there's so much implicit controllability in the thing that like those kind of rhetorical amping up, the rhetorical raising of temperature, uh, that that never actually extends to any kind of politically significant thing because. What's going on is like it's people outside the cult who control the money and control the publicity and control the like masses of people right
1: right hence hence why hence why i'm I'm sort of saying you know i I'm not claiming that environmentalism as a whole should be considered a cult
0: well, it is a cult, it is a cult, it's straightforwardly a cult it's just not it's just like not sovereign right, and it's not playing the sovereignty game there there is no sort of one authority that is
1: a, like there is no pope of environmentalism, basically, you have a bunch of authorities in it, and some are more radical than others. And potentially, you could imagine that one of them is kind of able to outcompete everything else. But then I, I there's the important point you're making there, which is that the even within the thing, it's not actually a sovereign cultic authority. And so we could maybe say environmentalism is cultic, but the overall authority structure in it is extremely weak. And so it, even as it's increasing the temperature, it is not actually stable.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, so I just like, I, I don't necessarily buy that it's actually increasing the temperature. I think it's like the actual situation there is, and this, this gets to like the relationship of these subordinated cults to the rest of society. The actual relationship is at some point the general kind of governing elite decides that it would be useful to amp up some cult in or some movement or whatever whatever we want to call it and and give it more juice and so they give it more juice right they allocate a bunch more money to it they they take off a bunch of the breaks they let the they let the press publish uh sort of cover it more they you know promote it in schools or or whatever and you know they throw a bunch more juice into it put more emphasis on the on the like deeper kind of spiritual aspects of it i don't know but raise up these kind of charismatic figures like Greta Thunberg. It, there's a bunch of ways that that the outside authorities can kind of juice the thing up a little bit but it's not like there's some internal logic to the cult that is sort of decided to do that it doesn't have the power to do that it's it's just getting juiced up and that's why i would claim that the environmental movement as a whole
1: is not uh, a cult in the proper sense. Basically, my sense of environmentalism is that you would have to have some much more formalized, fleshed out structure or organization arise in it. And they would have to somehow, instead of just having these outsiders give them money or media attention, they would have to build the machine where that authority is basically internal to the organization and they're able to grant it to others. And I don't know if anyone will do this.
0: Why should, why should cults have internal authority structures that are able to kind of operate independently from the rest of society? I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessary to the definition and I don't think it's actually a good idea. I don't think like a cult based society would do that. Our society doesn't do that some cults do that some cults do that i i don't think you can claim i don't think you can claim that like all cults should have a pope
1: i don't know I'll, i i don't quite know what you mean by should here i'm not sort of making a i'm not like prescribing to cults what they should do so much but, as like
0: let's let's talk about guilds let's talk about guilds a guild can turn can have cult like elements but like and cults can have competing uh, authority structures within them they can have multiple things they can be decentralized i don't think that makes them anything less of like again an identifiable subgroup uh, an identifiable like narratively coordinated subgroup of people with rituals and initiation and so on that uh, there's these elements they don't have to have any of particular one of those elements it's it's this cluster of things right so you're it sounds like you're
1: your definition of cult is kind of dependent on the uh, worldview isn't quite the term, but like the vision and ethos of the thing rather than a structural element.
0: Yes. Yes. As I, as I had described earlier, like the thing, I, I mean, the structure may matters and, and actually the, the structure is, is even decisive, but the actual feature, the actual decisive structural feature is not a singular legible authority. It's, It's that there's organization there. Okay, so that helps answer this
1: question. The way that I think about cults, so I'll agree that not every organization that has cultic features is trying to be sort of a a completely self-contained thing. There are some that do. Catholicism, formal structure, self-contained, there is no higher authority to which one can appeal in that system. In Islam... It's a it's more competitive, right? You have these kind of s- s- communities of scholars. You you have several more centers of authority, and they're not as formalized with each other. And then in in environmentalism, as we're talking about, there there is none whatsoever. Kind of there, there's no real barrier to entry, and there's not even a uniform rhetoric or belief system. There's there's a general ethos and set of concerns. And so my claim here would be that a cult with a fully totalizing worldview behind it would tend to, because it becomes caught up in questions of orthodoxy and heresy, right? Or, you know, deviant strains of thought. Yeah, it'll tend It'll tend to develop authority structures. Right. And those authority structures will be totalizing and centralizing. And maybe they'll be successful at this, right? The reason Islam has a very decentralized authority structure is not sort of an inherent commitment to it it's the fact that historically no one was really able to gain full monopoly over the thing
0: right but that doesn't make it anything less of a religion or less of a whatever. right so uh,
1: yeah and so i'm not claiming it's less of a religion so what i would claim with environmentalism is that if if you were like a deep green ecologist or something you are convinced you know you are facing an apocalyptic scenario you need to mobilize humans to face this existential threat, and you realize, you know what, I'm in a cult, you kind of self-recognize, I'm in the Gaia cult or something, I think that you would basically not be able to tolerate the risk of some external authority derailing or subsuming what, you know, this core mission that you're putting the thing on. I think that you would basically be in a totalizing worldview at that point and you would need to develop or try to develop a totalizing authority structure for the cult of, of environmentalism.
0: Yeah, so so the more totalizing you are with, with like your cult thing and the less you trust the rest of society, the more you need to replicate authority structures from the rest of society inside your cult. And that's... That's like pretty straightforward. I don't think that's necessary. Again, it's like you you have in a normal case, you have some level of trust on the surrounding society and you don't you know, implement your own legal system and you don't implement your own like nuclear weapons program because you're not you, you're living in a society. and You don't see yourself having to replicate all of that. I think in some very rare cases you get these you get cults that go all the way to being like we need to totally detach from the rest of the world and build our all of our own stuff so that we can go go to war with the rest of the world if necessary
1: i don't know if it's detachment i think of it as you know these are the universalist cults basically yeah the ones that could potentially go to war with the rest of the world well or or convert it or terraform the whole space right like i don't think it's it's it, it it's necessarily framed in terms of conflict like even the hari krishna's are a universalist cult if you look at their belief system but they they you know internal in their structure they don't copy like even scientology methods for doing this but the the more important point i think is that if you have a universalist cult then it's kind of like you you were talking about earlier you have these cults sort of living side by side maybe they figure out sort of a common space or or framework of how to interact a universalist cult wants to ultimately become a monopoly power essentially over the whole space.
0: So, yeah, so I think I've heard people say things like this. I don't actually believe there's any such thing as, like, universalism in that sense. Like, there's universalism in the sense that, like, you think everyone could participate in your thing or everyone should have some, some relation to it. But then there's universalism in the sense that, like, you should be the only thing. And I think that's actually really weird. And again, it's extremely rare historically and and probably short-lived too. Because what actually ends up happening is you have, you reach a state of, of kind of mutual acceptance with other things. Like, you know, the Hare Krishnas or the environmentalists or even, even like the Christians or something aren't going to develop you know, all of a nuclear weapons program, a legal system, a language, an entire literary canon, uh, an entire academic lineage. They, there's just so much structure in society that you're leaving intact every time you're doing one of these things. So it, what you're talking about there is like, okay, we're going to take a large area. You might have designs on a large area. Nobody takes everything because that's there's just so much. And, and it would be silly to think that you could actually replicate the world and replace the world. So what you actually have in practice is rec- mutual recognition or, or at least one-way recognition with other, I mean, if we're using the cult frame, with other cults, um, with other kind of like areas of social structure and and, and areas of, of belief about what's important and so on, and y- and so it's like you're not actually universalistic. You're just universalistic in some area. And and so I think once you start thinking that way, it's like, okay, these things are – they all look very similar because they're all um, – or they all look similar along that dimension. They, they're all – all the cults are – you know, they have some area that – where they have some conviction, right? They think that something is super important, maybe even the most important, but they're going to – they're going to recognize boundaries where – you know other things are allowed to operate uh with their people you know like like uh often cults will have opinions about food sometimes they won't and sometimes they'll just sort of accept like okay well maybe the mainstream wisdom is okay and and like having having sort of people get get new sort of new food ideas from instagram or like from people who aren't in the cult that's fine right yeah
1: but i i think this is kind of missing what I think this train of thought is correct, but I think it's missing what universalism actually tries to do. And so I agree universalism in the sense of you, you replicate the whole world doesn't really exist. But I, you know, the earlier thesis that when we think of cult, we're thinking about something like an ethos, I think makes that unnecessary. So a universalist cult tries to there are certain things it is in fundamental conflict with first it's in conflict with other universalist cults and it's also in conflict with certain cults where their values or behaviors are considered so deviant to the universalist cult that they can't be allowed to exist at all uh i don't know maybe you know maybe some other cult like Sacrifices infants to idols, or something, and we're not not going to permit this. But you're right; the rest of society, the rest of society, is in some sense reconcilable. And so, what a universalist cult tries to do is become the dominant ethos in that society. And so, the the ruling centers, even right these, uh, you know, institutions that set up the mechanisms for how the rest of society you know how, how all these groups interact with each other the universalist cult wants to be in a position where those decisions are being made in reference to its ethos and no other ethos that's how i would describe universalism
0: mm-hmm. right in other words it wants it wants to capture the state this yeah yeah in the deep sense of that word and i think that's a coherent that's a coherent thing like it wants to capture the state yeah
1: and it may not even be the case that it it, it you know to the extent that there's a formal structure you know, in, in sort of Abrahamic universalist cults, it's generally not the case that like clerics and monks directly rule states. Rather, it's that the political powers, right, monarchs or governments that are, are convert like as people, they are members of, of this cult and they make decisions in reference and informed by the ethos of that cult. But in terms of structure of the landscape, yes, it's still... Pluralistic and distinct. It's not uniform, but I don't think universalism is uniform in that sense. And in fact, if it were, it would be super fragile. A really powerful universalistic cult trying to do the zero to one thing is trying to capture a position where the society that's tranf- transformed by its ethos lasts, right? And so it needs to fill all the same niches. And if it eliminates something, even those things have to be replaced. So I think that it's ethos universalism, not structure universalism. And that's why you can have Right, in, so in in in, a, in sort of the Catholic Middle Ages, you had a bunch of lower level cults in a sense, like Franciscans, Dominicans, Jesuits, Marian cults. If a polytheistic Roman came and knew nothing about the society, he would probably assume that all those things were kind of separate cults, in the same way that cults of Apollo and Zeus were. But actually, they were all related back to this overarching ethos outside of which they couldn't exist
0: I mean but but the cults of Rome were also over like all related to this overarching you know pagan ethos right and and the ethos of Rome and so on sure
1: they were I think the cults of Rome made less less um detailed and and totalizing Universalistic claims though than the ethos of of Abrahamic yeah. States do
0: I sort of did to reject still this concept of of universalism i think it's like a feature of certain uh, certain assumptions you're using about like what are the bounds proper bounds of of like cult activity or something
1: i'm making reference to how the cult thinks within itself no cult has actually established you know a fully universal capture of all of humanity or anything like that but within a cult with the maximal the maximal goal you can have as a cult is that all humanity pretty much should be doing what it's doing in reference to your ethos as the supreme one
0: yeah so like it it maybe maybe it has like the big dominant synthesizing story that and it's saying that all everyone else's stories are going to fit into that i'm i'm still like skeptical about how hard of a distinction that is or how hard of a category that is, but we can just leave that. So, okay. So we're, we're at this point here where I think we've established a lot of, a lot of like definition and structure here, but, but like, there's this question, why does this matter? What does it do? Where, where do we take society in response to kind of all of this? And I think one initial thought there is, I think, again the reason to bring up this concept of cult is that i'm trying to put a different conceptual lens on how we understand the the motivational structure of society and the uh and the social structure of of these narratives like if the more we kind of recognize the existence of of these organized groups that are kind of claiming some domain working on some domain working on some narrative structure and some better bunch of skills and social practices within that narrative structure i think i think the better we are able to kind of parse what's actually going on and it's possible like you could imagine sort of a juxtaposition between kind of society as it exists where there's definitely what you would technically call cults but they aren't formally organized as such or called as such, or we don't have any kind of equivalent word. We have the word movement for some of the things, but it's not a full overlap And versus we could have another society that that is much more explicit about the role of cults. And I think the thing that the latter frame empowers us to do is think a lot more about the whole picture of of human motivation. Like think not just about like everything has to be done in reference to the cult of the individual, but rather we can look like the, the, the I guess the issue is the cult of the individual places a lot of constraints on what kinds of motivations uh, things are supposed to have. Uh, you know, it's all like this public sphere kind of civic duty and economic, personal motivation and then and then you have this private sphere of you know your religious life your 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 sex life your your, what food you eat like a bunch of just like meaningless private choices basically within the system and that's a very constraining system i think we want to open up the range of how we consider what's going on with human motivation and get a vocabulary for dealing with a wider set of motivational structures, at the same time sharpening our understanding of a bunch of social structure that exists in society. So maybe it would be useful to try to like identify, we've, we've sort of talked a lot about this environmentalism example as a as sort of a cult. Um, it would be useful to talk about other ones. I think another one that that we've called a cult before is the cult of the founder in Silicon Valley. So if we're just trying to like reformat how we think about society. It's it's basically, let's go around with this hammer, which is called the cult hammer, and let's bash everything as if it's a nail, right? Like let's let's treat everything as if it's a cult and see if that helps us understand society. So the cult of the founder in Silicon Valley, you have this idea, you have these, this kind of archetype of the founder, this person who has this secret idea or this vision that no one else shares, it's this contrarian thing, they have this heroic effort that they're able to apply, um, you know, they have all this organizing ability and they go and they get the VC funding and they they build the company and it, it remakes part of the world. And, and this is, I think, actually very identifiable as a cult. There are structures of, of uh, there's, there's obviously a sort of praxis that goes along with that. People people get sucked into that and they decide they need to become founders and they go and they go and try to start companies.
1: Right. Become a founder for the sake of being a founder.
0: R- right. I mean, well it's not it's not like for the sake of it. It's it's there's there's a bunch of purpose in in the in the cult. It's like describes a bunch of purpose for why you do that. But but the point is like there's this movement of this movement or cult that involves social organization, there's conferences, there's there's texts, there's people, there's competing authorities. There's, you know, things like Y Combinator, there's definite people who were like putting forth these ideas in an organized way They built up this cult of the founder. So that's another example, basically, of like a cult in our modern society. Thanks for listening. We've now reached the end of the first half of the podcast. The second half is available on our Patreon. You can sign up at palladiummag.com slash subscribe. It usually gets better in the second half, so you don't want to miss it. This project wouldn't be viable without your support, so we hope to see you soon.